Started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Fanboy Theology. My name is Chris. I'm here with Brett. And then we are also here with Lauren, who is gracing us with her presence. Hey, guys. Yeah, uh, tell us about yourself, Lauren, just to introduce you. Sure. So I'm a part of a group that's a, it's a cosplay group out of Saddleback Church called Jesus Otaku. We actually just got back from Anime Expo, had a booth there, tried it out with Game Church, which is really fun to hang out with their they're not really our um, big brother ministry there we, we kind of refer to them as our crazy uncle ministry because <laughs> we, we hang out but you know we get we totally nerd out together but um, so it's still a little bit not jet lagged but recovering from lack of sleep at the moment kind of the same concept get a little, little con depression going on here but totally drops after that but um, yeah so we I'm I'm prepping to go later this year we we have branches all over the US um, this kind of branches the original though and I'm actually about to move um, to Tokyo this fall um, or I'm going to be working with local churches teaching them how to do uh, purpose-driven cosplay is kind of what we call it. Heck yes. It's it's pretty fun stuff so yeah I am a shameless plug I'm totally raising support right now and it's tax deductible you can donate through Salvation Church. We will put in the description uh, but um, yeah and actually at, wow it's been a, a long time listeners but in the meantime Brett and I have also cosplayed at WonderCon as mm -hmm. Ghostbusters which was awesome. I'm very proud of you guys. Yes it was super fun we even made blaster.com so if you ever want to sleuth out who we are and where we actually live, you will see us uh, on Blaster.com. But you'll have to I, I totally out. saw a full group of Ghostbusters cosplayers at Anime Expo, and I tried to get a picture for you guys, but they ran away way too fast. Ah, uh, they, they're scared of the light, let me tell you yeah, that. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, speaking of what Lauren does, why we welcomed her on here today is we're going to be talking about anime in general. Originally, it was going to be Attack on Titan, just simply because, I'm going to be honest here, I've only been <laughs> exposed to Attack on Titan, and Pokemon in about that, and Sword Art Online, Brett got me kind of into it. So largely, Brett and Lauren are going to be driving the talk here, <laughs> and I'm going to be asking, asking questions, because it is super fascinating to me how this shit, not shared universe, but like the anime plays by certain rules almost, and the stories aren't similar, but it's like there are themes that come out of every single one. And yeah. honestly, I want to get into that, whether... Um, mm -hmm. When you go to tell the gospel to someone who is immersed in that culture, mm -hmm. what is it, like here in Western civilization, when we go, oh, God is a judge and he has paid the price for you and uh, through Jesus and therefore you don't have to pay the price, like that's crime punishment mm -hmm. versus honor shame, which most right. of the world is an honor shame culture. Sure. So we're, we have a big gap here going on here right. when we go to tell the gospel. So I mean, what, what do you see and uh, what, how does anime answer the question of how do we contextualize the gospel for an honor shame society? That well, makes sense. That's a really interesting question. I think um, a huge kind of focal point that you just need to kind of have in the, in the background for you as you're kind of thinking about this is there's quite a lot of overlap between um, kind of the nerd fandom culture and anime culture, um, but there are some significant differences too. We, we usually like to say like the gamers and the, the Comic-Con crowd are kind of one group and then, and then you've got the anime fans and there's definitely some, you know, people like Brett here who is like, they're both, but uh, we usually like to say anime fans are uh, what we call squishier, so they're a bit, they're, I know it's, it's silly, but it's, it, there's a lot more feels going on. Uh, the, the example we like to give is for those of you out there still playing Pokemon Go, I totally am in that still. Um, th the gamer world, they're talking about stats, they're talking about how do you get this or that, how do you get the special items, and uh, anime crowds over here going, you know, I could cosplay that. And <laughs> they're, they're going, you know, I have this Professor Will is actually really attractive in this now. Oh like, who am I going to ship him with? And like, we're all sad there's not more backstory going on, and we all just go write our own fanfic about it. But, um, but kind of thinking about that, you've got this crowd that they're really a, a bit more feelsy. So, like, you talk about trying to reach this group with that kind of crime and punishment. That's like, you're going to just scare them off. Like, that is so not the route to go. Um, and it, it really is kind of coming back to that question of what themes do you see in anime and what values do you see reflected in there? Um, and I think there's a lot of different elements that go into that just in their value system and kind of in what their, um, what the, the desires of their heart is. There's, there's a huge reason that there's such a following of this, this show and um, these shows and, and television and 
just holy, fandom culture. Holy crap, because that, <laughs> that it opens up so much more in my head, just simply because I, as since we went and cosplayed at Ghostbusters, as Ghostbusters, we've gotten involved in a local franchise, mm. and the difference almost in the that delineation of gamers and Comic-Con people versus mm. anime and the squishier feels, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll pick out, okay, mm-hmm. you right there, what do you watch? And like honestly, yeah. if I probably go ask the person I'm thinking of right now, Bet, bet it's that. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm not going, like, I'm not as cool and, and awesome as you as figuring <laughs> out, like, okay, how do I use cosplay as a gospel initiative? It's just, mm. I, I'm, okay, I'm a Ghostbuster, heck yeah. And I just so happen to be a, a pastor at an unnamed uh, megachurch in Lake Forest, California. And <laughs> Didn't I name it earlier? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Am I still, uh, sure, am, I, don't, I, I don't know what one? you're talking about. <laughs> um, but... But they know that, they know what I'm about, and it's almost like that stats thing versus the squishy thing. Mm. I love I love that, and yeah. I'm not even write that down for my own yeah. <laughs> Um But speaking of that, so sure. of, of the, uh, even Attack on Titan, which mm. you, you had said earlier when we were talking, like season two's grotesque nature. Oh, and, yeah, I, I'll admit, I, I managed to get through season one, but the rest of it's just been me like reading spoilers online or talking to my friends who will go through the work of actually reading the manga. I'm way too lazy for that. But um, yeah, for, have friends watching season two right now? I, I just can't do it. It's just, <laughs> I, it's gonna make me ill. It's just way too much. But I have lots of friends who watch it and it's a really well done story. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. What would you guys say is, yeah, the squishier crowd but mm. is watching this? like, or, or are you finding the squishy crowd like, oh, okay. No, it, it is a funny juxtaposition. Yeah. I mean... I mean, because a lot of it is pulling... They want the story. They right. want They want something that's deep enough to suck them in, to give them those feelings. Yeah. So that's where, like, a video game is really not going to cut it because mm. you don't have that storyline that's really, like tugging at you or has something that you're gonna like oh yeah my life is kind of like that yeah I I mean I would say it's they have a very well and myself as one of them we have a very high tolerance for some really random aspects of it so I think when we talk about being squishy and feelsy it has more to do with we like to feel things deeply so it's less of we're like hypersensitive and like gonna get our feelings hurt. I mean that's kind of true too sometimes. But I mean, hey, I'm totally right there with everyone who's that. Way. I'm just like, no, hurt my feelings. But um, when it comes to like Attack and Titan, it's you want to feel something deeply. You want to be moved. You want to experience even to an extent the horror of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean personally, that doesn't doesn't do it for me. But um, I I love the intricacy of the story and the relationship going on and and even the when you see the overlap, you see a lot of people who will play video games but they're the ones with the high cut scenes mm-hmm. or I mean or like really gorgeous animation like uh, Final Fantasy series totally right. cosplayed that gonna be honest never played it but did a group cosplay of uh, Type Zero when it first came out and that was super fun but um, so I see a lot of that overlap and I mean there's a growing presence at the anime conventions I mean Blizzard just came out with what it was Overwatch, Overwatch yeah. mm-hmm. that was everywhere this past weekend yeah it's almost to the point that it's like almost overdone because everybody's is. doing it. It is. It just, but again, you're seeing cosplayers, not people getting together to do a LAN party. Right. Mm. It's people who are dressing up as the characters and who want to meet the voice actors, which I believe that the main voice actors were there this weekend. And so it's things like that. But I, I think you see this desire to deeply emotionally connect with people and to deeply emotionally connect with the story. So even if it's an unpleasant emotion, it's the desire to experience it. Mm-hmm. Dang. Okay. <laughs> now, because there's two in our room here, there's two abysses behind you guys. <laughs> of, and just me thinking of, the, of like, when we go and we look at that grotesque mm-hmm. it's imagery, it's us looking into the abyss mm. and coming, but the best of us coming back and wanting to, okay, we all know this absurd thing that is life, that tragedy happens, suffering happens. I'm going to run and watch my favorite TV shows right now because I don't, it's it's not about ignoring it. It's about, Mm -hmm. no, 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 how do we deal with it? How, how, and look, half, half of them, uh, half of animes are about hopeless situations mm. going deeper into that hopeless situation and then usually banding together, coming mm. back out as one. And it, uh, 
Oh yeah, that's in so yeah. many animes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, well, Saturday morning cartoon, like in or at least in my theory, and I don't know if I've talked to you about this. Of just like you look at J.J. Abrams, uh, mm. the the Duffer Brothers for Stranger Things, and look at who I just named in the movies they make. Yeah, it's the people who grew up on the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties after school specials, mm. where. No, the answer is together we will do this. And then yeah. we have Avengers. Then now we have Justice League. Now we have this. It, like all of these things are, it's we grew up th- being told that's the answer. But here it is in a completely other culture, separated from these dumb, stupid Saturday morning, Friday after school specials. Like, uh, and, and it's already happening over here. And so yeah. it, it's almost just, it's tapping into faster a spirit that's been over here. In Japan, in animation styles of anime, for a long time, and here we are just getting to it in the United States yeah. uh, with what J.J. Abrams, Joss Whedon, all those guys are doing. Yeah. Um, but now, I, that, that kind of answers the question I was going to ask: <laughs> Why is why is anime so appealing? Why is it appealing to you guys? Like, what what is, what brought you there? What what is keeping you there? What are the types of shows you watch so that our listeners know sure. which ones to go look into? I mean, for me, it's probably just the stories and finding things in there that I relate to my own life, either in things that I've been through or things that I want to be, in terms of just, like, the character mm-hmm. that yeah. these char- these different people have. So, um, in terms of the ones that I watch, I'm definitely more in the, like, high fantasy sci-fi ones. So, Bleach, Naruto, um, gosh, Guilty Crown... Um, Sword, Art. Sword Art Online. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorites. Uh, Grimgar. I did add that to my queue after we yeah. talked last week. How do you spell that? Grimgar? G R I M G A. Oh, okay. Just as it sounds. Yeah. yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking Gengar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not Pokemon right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because most of the, fr- the people I go to these cons with, they grew up with anime, whether it was like Sailor Moon or Pokemon, even if they weren't aware of it. I actually had like zero exposure to anime until I was in college and I actually thought it was really stupid when I first looked at it because it was a bunch of adults watching cartoons and I was like don't you grow out of that and but a friend introduced me to Bleach and it was totally one of those situations where I was like this is dumb when's the next episode and like <laughs> just totally got hooked and then started watching on my own and kind of just went what was the most popular so I saw like Black Butler which that was special a uh, very interesting storyline, but not one I particularly enjoyed. Um, or in High School Host Club, my guilty pleasure. But <laughs> um, and Fruits Basket, kind of those classic ones. Um, but I, in the process of kind of starting to watch these shows, specifically Bleach, I was really stunned by this really interesting juxtaposition between Eastern and Western values, where you've got the the Japanese value of uh, unity. And, you know, I mean, we've got the, the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. They have the phrase, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. So you've got this desire to belong to a group that's actually very, I mean, even biblical, if we're going to go that talk about that, like this this community that where you're, everyone benefits each other. Um, but then this also this very Western desire to be important and to be special and to stand out. Um, and it, it, for those of you who have not seen Bleach, the main character has shocking orange hair, and he doesn't fit in anywhere. And you know, you you kind of figure out why the longer you go in the in the show. But you know, not to give any spoilers, he the the theme that gets expressed and explored is how does he, as this individual who stands out, who's different, find his community that he fits into and belongs to? Where and I think you know you you ask the question like how. How do you? Why do you think this is so appealing to people? I think there's a lot of people out there who don't fit in their normal everyday life, and they they don't feel like they belong, and they don't feel like they they feel like they're different, and they want their differences to matter and to be important and to be special instead of just you know socially awkward. And I mean, I can say that because I totally totally I was homeschooled, struggled with that quite a bit in high school. I'm, I'm a recovering socially awkward person, but um, I think you we have see... a support group. We meet on Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> You probably could have a support group for that, but <laughs> I just do trauma counseling former for those of us former homeschoolers. But I, I meet a lot of people like that in the community who, for whatever reason, whether it's they struggle with mental illness, whether they they struggle with their gender or sexual identity, um, or they just they don't fit wherever it is that they're currently living. Their parents don't get their interests. They're 
you know, they don't, they've never fit in well at school, but they, they watch these shows where someone just like them who doesn't fit in the regular everyday life is, is actually more important or, or special or have this, this purpose or this design um, that is not, be, is not in, in spite of those differences, but because of and celebrating those differences. And I think, I mean, I think that's a core desire of, of humans in general. Like whether or not you fit in or not, there is the desire to belong. There is the desire for who God has made you to be, who you are in these unique individual ways to for that to be used and for that to have a purpose and for that to be important and i think for the people i see most in the anime community it's the people who don't feel like they get that in their everyday life and so they get drawn to these communities where they feel like they can celebrate how they're different they can wear a costume and become a character and feel like they can jump into these stories i mean it's you know there's a range there's people who like to just watch it on the you know saturday morning and there's people who cosplay for a profession um, but I think how do I get board, to that? <laughs> uh, you cosplay a lot and get cosplay senpais to notice you. <laughs> I wanted to focus on something you said there, and I wrote it in big bold. <laughs> but that's not the question I want to ask. It's what can the church do to take a step in that direction of you described that uh, the embrace of the other, the people who don't mm. feel like they belong? Because it, I, yeah. let's be real here. To me, the church has not done a good job of be, being welcoming. <laughs> like, uh, no, it, other than it's that. true, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a huge part of what our group does when we go into these conventions is damage control. I mean, we, we still, when we get to these conventions, I mean, even this weekend, they're still having, they have, you know, quote-unquote Christian protesters that stand outside the convention and wave Turner Burn signs what? and yell at, I mean, I've literally, we, we have these t-shirts that say, you are loved just as you are on the back. I've literally walked by them and they've yelled on the megaphone after me, you are not loved just as you are. And they're, they're the Christian representative that's been in this community for so long. Sorry, my mouth's open. Like, yeah. I, I was thinking we were being filmed for a second. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say. It's it's unfathomable to me. It's that just that's, heartbreaking. No, absolutely, absolutely. But that's what, so. I'd say a good twenty five percent of the people who come by our booth, the first question out of their mouth is, "Are you with the yellow sign people?" Outside? Oh my gosh! And a no. lot of times, all that we bring to the table in that moment is, "No, they make us sad." We we really try not to badmouth them because that's just not who. That's not the point. That's not the purpose. And a lot of times I connect with people by they just go, yeah, they're kind of scare me. I was like, I know, they scare me too. Like, but it's really a sad, I mean, you, you want to talk about the church being welcoming. I mean, it's, it's a question of how do we get them to stop virulently being unwelcoming. Um, and, and I don't think that's the, the vast majority of, of torches. I think the vast majority of torches just have no idea how to connect with these people. Um, but it, you know, this is kind of what we're up against because, and I think this is true across the board, whether it's social media or, you know, television or whatever, the, the people who are the most extreme are the ones who are most vocal. So the image of the church that most of the people in these conventions, these communities have is that. Yeah. Of, that's their picture of the church. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of people who they've been hurt and wounded by the church of whether it has to do with you know their their lifestyle choice or you know their whatever identity they've decided to choose that the church just really struggles to know how do we you know we, we kind of land on this you know love the sinner hate the sin but at the same time it's like that's that doesn't fit anymore and, 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 you know that's a whole you it, know it, can of worms we can't get into course. today but I think you got it's, a couple hours <laughs> yeah right but I think it's I, you ask a very big question yeah, of, of how does the church come to this and I think. It, it starts with education, okay, and and that it really is a huge purpose of our community. I mean, we're we're we kind of say that Jesus Otaku is the bridge. Our, I mean, our mission statement is to creatively model the love of Jesus to bring Otaku, this anime fandom community, and the church together. So on the Otaku side, we're there. We're doing damage control. We're you know we're our goal is for every single person we encounter to have a, an encounter with us that leads them to take one step closer to finding a relationship with Jesus and mm. a healthy church family. And sometimes that's taking someone from negative 10 to negative 9. Hmm. Sometimes that's taking them even further. And, you know, we, we really work to be available to answer questions wherever people are at without, you know, we don't ever want to get into arguments or anything. But 
Um, on the flip side, we really work hard to go into churches and to connect with whoever we can in the, the body of Christ to help educate on, okay, this is what's really going through people's heads. This is what's really being experienced. And we, we shared at a Reaching Japanese for Christ conference in February, and we kind of went through our whole spiel of this is what it means to be an otaku. This is what it, this is what's going on in the heart um, of otaku, both in America and in Japan. And um, kind of at the end of our session, uh, we made half the room cry, so I think we were successful. But um, at the end of the session, a, a Japanese woman stood up and just said, I want to thank you so much for sharing this with us because you need to understand that from, you know, the Japanese church perspective, uh, these otaku are, um, they've rejected the church, they've rejected the host culture, and they just want to be different and stand out and think they're more important than anyone. And, and she's like, I had no idea it's because they already feel rejected. It's because they already Whoa. don't feel like they belong. And it, it just kind of made me go, I get that that's the Japanese church culture, but it makes me wonder, even in the U.S., how off is the perception of the people in these communities? And, and you know, to their credit, and I can say this again because I was that person, when you're dealing with someone who lacks in kind of the standard social skills or has a different communication style or, you know, I mean, it really is its own culture. It really is cross-cultural ministry. And you don't understand the language they're speaking and you don't understand the value system of the group you're trying to reach. Of course, you're going to be ineffective. And of course, you're not going to understand. And of course, there's going to be misunderstandings. I think, too, you've got people that are already in the church that are hiding a lot of mm. who they really are because yeah. it doesn't fit the cookie cutter mold that right. the church is looking for. I yeah. mean, I hid the fact for years that I enjoyed playing D&D &D and I watched anime <laughs> and all these things because I knew and heard people that would just sit there and bash it. Yeah. <laughs> so many... <laughs> It's this. It, it, the the thing... It, well, first, okay, explain Jesus Otaku, what it literally means and what it figure, metaphorically Absolutely. means so, so that they can know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, an otaku in Japan, the, the, it's a, obviously a Japanese word, um, it literally means to be an obsessive fan of something often to the detriment of your social skills. Um, it, it's the equivalent of being just like a crazy fan of something where you're you're just putting all of your energy and effort fanboy fanboy fangirl totally where your identity is wrapped up in this fandom um in the united states it almost exclusively means anime fandom so in japan mm. it can be anything it can be you know a, a train otaku where you just love studying trains and doing photography of them and um but i'd say the vast majority of otaku are anime otaku with some overlap with video games um so our, our name, Jesus Otaku, actually has three meanings. Um, the, the first is uh, kind of in the American definition. We're, we're anime otaku um, who love Jesus, so we're Christian anime fans. Um, but then we also turn it around and we, and we say we're it's in the Japanese definition, so we're otaku for Jesus, so kind of like Jesus freak mentality. Um, but then we turn it around and, and say, and this is really at the heart of who we are, is that we, we take it a step further and we say that we believe that Jesus is otaku for you. And that it, it's really fascinating to see how that gets experienced. We've, I've said that before in Japan and you just get silence where it's just a this immediate, how, how can that be true? And, and oh my gosh, I have so much to chew on now. Um, and it, it really is the heart of who we are. It's, we're there to go, you know what? Your, your, your choices in life are irrelevant right now. Um, we're not here to tell you to clean up your life. That's between you and God. Now, if you're a Christian, you've stepped across that line and you're in the process of discipleship, okay, let's have that conversation. But right now, the most important thing is that you find Jesus and that you have that relationship with him and you recognize that it's about his grace, that it's about his love for you, and that he's not here to tell you to take off the cosplay, but that he sees you through the cosplay. Mm. And we really make an effort when we're talking with people who go, we celebrate your cosplay, we love your cosplay, we so appreciate the artistry and the, and the beauty behind what you're doing, but we also want you to know that we see you and that we value you behind that cosplay more than we value your cosplay. But we're not here to tell you to take it off. We're not here to say, take, that, that's, that is your journey that you're on. But we do want to know, you to know that we see you. <sighs> Brett, anything else to add before I get into this? Because it, it may be going off the rails. 
but I would no, I mean, I'm okay. I'm on board with all of that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> not, that's not a question. That's not a question. Okay, it's it's just when I look at going let's go theology really quick, sure. and especially on the Jesus otaku. Uh, sure. The 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 second one, uh, yeah. otaku for Jesus, and then mm-hmm. also uh, I would even say, yeah, you're crazy about Jesus. Like yeah. that's second meaning there. Yeah. So when I gotta take this off. <laughs> so when we talk about even the titles of Jesus, and this is the mm-hmm. crazy things I've been reading lately. So stop me when I get off the rails. Yeah, of the no worries. <laughs> but like even that title, Son of God, mm-hmm. when. The followers of Jesus were saying that. They were saying it as a subversive act to Caesar, who called himself the Son of God. Like, no, mm. Jesus is the Son of God, not this yeah. guy. And it, it's so when that's the litmus test, mm. it will, that for, okay, you're a Christian, so do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Mm. That doesn't mean anything anymore. That's just a, oh, it's something we've padded some theological meaning onto. So mm. it would almost even say, is. Jesus, your otaku, is a more contextualized form of saying Jesus is yeah. the Son of God. And, Absolutely. And, but, again, there's the, the Russian Orthodox Church. Hello, guys. <laughs> you guys don't like us for some reason. I would love to talk to you about that. But, like, if I were to say that and some of our other listeners are going to go, no, that's blasphemy. Like, no, actually, it's, it's not our context. Mm-hmm. It, even, because I'm trying to find that. That's the, the path I'm on here of, like, you have boiled down what the message of the gospel is. You, you are a message giver. Mm-hmm. You know your audience. And now here, here is the result, Jesus Otaku. Yeah. Back to the question of what the church must do, it's that. It's yeah. wh- who's your audience? Yeah. What, where, are you meeting, or where do you need to go to meet them? And he, what is your message? Here, bring it together. And this yeah. is that form of it for you. And it, yeah. you hit it. So... Any other tips, other than the beautiful things that were being said earlier, mm. of w- how does a church body mm. approach that? Or how, it, it, not sure. even anime fans, what, what if, it, okay, surfers, I don't know. I mean, what, what else is there out there? Well, so what did you do on your journey to get to where you are today? Yeah, um, that's like three questions. I know, <laughs> yeah. we, got, we got plenty of time. Oh, excellent. Um, I would start with the kind of the question of what what does the church need to do? And I think part of it is to recognize the current trends. Um, Anime is becoming more and more mainstream. Fandom culture is the culture of young people now. Um, And I think that there are many churches who still haven't recognized that. Um, And I mean, to their credit, the church has, the church is here to bring people into the body of Christ. I mean, that's a huge core purpose of the church. Um, and I get that for, for a church, they need to focus on the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you want to reach the minority too, but a, it, it just is smart business practices to go after the majority. Um, I don't think the church has fully recognized that we are the majority now. Oh, and that yeah. that's where they need to have a, a, a paradigm shift oh. is that they're still trying to go after our parents' generation, which I'm not saying don't go after them. We love our parents, but, <laughs> but, parents need Jesus too. but they aren't sure. the up and coming generation. And, and yeah. every church in the world is talking, how do we reach millennials right now? Yeah. This is who millennials are. We are fandom culture. Now you've, you've got some people who aren't necessarily assigned to a specific fandom, but we still operate in fandoms. We still have affinity groups based on our, our cultural and social identity is based on affinity groups now. It's no longer based on ethnicity. We're mm. all against that now because you know our, so many generations before that was such a touchy issue. You know we're no longer based on even nationality anywhere because we're so global. I mean, th- thank you, internet. Um, but you have this this culture, this this generation that grew up with vast access to information where we're no longer defined by the divisions of I live here, you live there. We, we really organize ourselves now based on I like this, you like this. Mm. So now we're going to be friends. I mean, I have a friend who um, I met through mutual friends. She lives in Yemen. Um, she's an Islamic girl. Um, we just met through a guy that we both no longer talk to. And we literally will just talk about the most random things. We have nothing else in common, but we're able to stay friends because we've got like one fandom we agree on. Wow. And I think that is so common now. Um, and I think that's something that the church needs to figure out. I think too, like a lot of the ways that churches approach things is 
you come to us, you agree with us, yeah. and with anime and stuff, it's all about, no, I'm going to go out to this because yeah. I know that you like this too. Yeah. Huh. I, I can't think of it, but did I hear anybody else <laughs> in history say go out and yeah. make? Oh, I, I don't know. That sounds familiar. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I gotta be crazy. Jesus? It, it's, <laughs> just, it's just because what you guys are saying makes me hurt <laughs> inside yeah. of at one point we were marginalized. I can't even say we. Yeah. The, the, the early church, church yeah. was marginalized mm-hmm. the less they were the other. Yeah. And then when a plague hits, they're the first ones on the scene because right. they understood we're the marginalized. Now these people are marginalized. Here we are to yeah. come and mm-hmm. help. Because we are the majority now, that's where we've lost it. That's what yeah. I feel. And I say we because me too. There's even there's small moments in my life where I don't even realize it. And I, I will... Well, yeah, that they. Oh, well, actually, no, they don't. They might not believe that. Like it, it's, yeah. it's just programmed in in my head. And even when we look at church structures, all three of us have worked in a church. Yeah. And, and have been submersed in a. Let's be real. A culture of a church. A bubble. Yep. It, it, that's. I, I'm glad you said it because I, I didn't want to reinforce my own point, but. I, I look and I, I, I realize just a block away at that high school mm-hmm. is a completely different other life. Yeah. Even 20 miles away in different city, it is yeah. a completely different life. And, and it's the church realizing that, hey, maybe this gospel we're supposed to bring to people, like it's it's got to be brought to their, to them instead of asking them to come to us. And that that is even unfathomable because... Well, no, we have the answer, so they should come to us. Uh, no, yeah. well, it's and not... two, it's we need to stop putting on the act that we got it all together. We got, we got it all together, and oh, yeah. and be real. I mean, that's I'm sitting here questioning whether Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> no, it, it, because that because the title you guys heard, I'm yeah, not yeah, saying. I, I, but uh, <laughs> it, but yeah, it, like hey, I I've been to seminary. I have questions too. Sometimes I'm, the more you study, the more questions you get. <laughs> even worse questions. I, but that's yeah. not what's being said on Sundays. Right. And, and it's, uh, never mind, that's a whole, there was the, <laughs> there's the road, staying off that road. Let's yeah. go back over here. Um, well, and I, I think it's a balance though, because I think sometimes I see the church try and go so far to the other end that they compromise the very message mm. and they never get around to actually saying the message. I mean, we have to figure yeah. this out. Yeah. When we're going to this community, like one of the things we've had to wrestle with is where's that middle ground of always being prepared to give an answer for what you believe, but waiting on people to ask questions, providing us a culturally, culturally relevant space for those questions to be discussed. Mm. And to build that up, but like we've had to go, I mean, it's a pendulum swing act where you're you're too far on one end, then you're too far on one end, and just finding that middle ground of how do we not compromise the gospel? I, I had someone tell me something last month that was like super profound, and that is when you share the gospel, you you get both the message and the messenger, and the messenger should never be offensive. But let us not be, let us not forget that there are times that people are going to experience the gospel and the gospel is offensive. Oh yeah. It's exclusive. Yeah. There there it says there is one way to God and this is it. So we cannot compromise the gospel. But how do we as the messengers not be the ones being insulting? If they're going to be offended, let it be by the gospel. Yeah. And I think that's a hard balance to find that so many times we're trying so hard to not offend anyone that we completely lose sight of the truth. Mm. But then we go so far on the other end of we're never going to compromise the truth that we won't even bend on the ways we communicate the truth. <sighs> and I, and, I, and we're, we're so set on we have to give them the whole truth and every bit of the truth every minute of the day right now. Instead of going, you know what, there's so many times I'm in a conversation with someone, even believers who are, who are young in their faith where I'm just going, you're going to figure this out in about 10 years. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I don't need to tell you this right now. You're going to figure this out. But you know what? You're in a relationship with Jesus and you're taking steps daily. And that's the Mm. important part. And if we can come around people and say, you know, even simple things as, I'm not going to invite you to come to a church. I'm going to say, I'm going and you're welcome to come with me. Mm. And and to go, I mean, we literally have shown up to... um, you know, this, this large church that we're a part of, there there's, happens to be a campus in L.A., um, and w- we've shown up to that campus in full-blown cosplay before. You can say who it is. Okay, it's fine. Saddleback, <laughs> L.A., has, we've literally shown up and tested out some of our campuses. We're going, what would happen if our friends decided to show up in cosplay at these places? And 
they passed the test. And it's like, do you, it, I, I have to just say how much of an honor it is to be a part of a church where I can say with confidence to these people who I'm talking to who will say, yeah, I've been kicked out of my church or I'm, I was not welcome here and just say, I guarantee you would be welcome in my church. Dang. Now, they may not get you 100%. <laughs> they, you may occasionally encounter somebody who is not so nice, but this is a place where you would be welcome even if you don't. And the, the problem is they just don't always fit. Yeah. So that's the question of how do we provide a space that gets them, not just doesn't. It's like we're, we've managed to make it to Switzerland. How do we make it to the Allies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Really quick before we move on. Sure. You said something, collectivistic culture versus individual. Yes. I, I want to get into that a little bit sure. more just because you, I think you hit it in one sentence, but I want to expand on it. Of, sure. Hey, we are members of a faith. Right. That came from a collectivistic culture. Absolutely. And here we are in an individualistic culture. Right. And what have we done with the message? Yeah. Even like I at least see a dividing line. And I love Paul. I love Jesus. I love them both. I love the New Testament. But you go see how Jesus says his message versus how Paul does in Romans, yep. which go talk to a Western Christian today and Romans is their favorite yep. book probably. And it's because he, Paul is saying it to a Greek audience and has masterfully crafted it to a Greek audience. But, but then there's crazy man Jesus <laughs> running around the shores of Galilee or not even Capernaum and all these other things telling stories and sitting with people and, and hey, question. You yeah. that you there? Answer me this. Yeah. And like, well, I don't even know how you would be able to contextualize that for how we have an amphitheater, a Greek amphitheater, mm-hmm. with a speaker who is the expert, yeah. and everybody listens to him. It, it goes back to this. So, yeah. the, the disciples just saw Jesus teleport to heaven. <laughs> um, they're they're all sitting together, and they go, "Okay, we have the truth." We watched Jesus get resurrected. He's our master. So what do we do? And you, I can't in a million years picture somebody standing up and you know what we should do? We should get an expert, put him in a school for <laughs> nine years, and then when he comes back or she comes back, we're going to let them talk at us yeah. for an hour a week, and then we're all going to go home. Like, yeah. that, that is Greek oratory tradition of an individualistic culture that... Great, it worked over here, but where do you see and how can you see even the forces of anime and worldwide? I've, I'm at like nine questions now, sorry, Lauren. <laughs> uh, uh, worldwide globalization of it's easy to talk now mm-hmm. between someone in Yemen or someone in Japan. How do we as the church need to evolve and go forward in this to? I don't even know, not reach that, but almost get back to our roots. How do we get back to being collectivistic without questioning our heritage, which I right. just did for you, so right. you can avoid all that I did, sure. I think it's challenging because it's not like this culture that we're talking about is exactly the same collectivistic as before. Of course. Or even as collectivistic as, um, as Japan. Yeah. It's this weird mix. So you have this paradox of values in place where I th- I think you've you've got people who desire the cult the community of collectivism with the significance of individualism. Yeah. Where you have someone who goes, I you know, and this is where I, I love purpose driven. Because it does speak into that. God has a plan for your life that is specific to you, that nobody else has, that he's prepared for the rest of your life for you to live out. And that speaks so directly to that that desire for significance and individualism. But you can't do it on your own. But you need to depend on other people. But you need to do this in the the family of God. And oh, by the way, we're all going to be really messy and imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's like, especially like with like Naruto and Bleach. Oh and yeah, they hit that one one hundred percent so well. Yeah, because you have those characters. You have the character. I mean, Naruto. Everyone hates him, but he wants to be a yeah. part of them. Yeah, and so he goes out of his way to prove himself. 
yeah. that he can be a part of the community. Well, and what's so interesting to me in anime is that they live with the discomfort of never fully reconciling the two. Mm-hmm. They don't feel the need to, and, and I think this is a Western value we don't realize we have, we want clarity. Mm. We want, we want. Everything has to be black conclusion. and white. <laughs> Everything has to be black and white. Everything has to be wrapped up in pretty little bow by the end. You look at any Hollywood movie, we get mad. I mean, Inception made a lot of people mad because you weren't sure at the end. <laughs> like, I mean, no spoilers, but. Uh, my parents hated that movie. Oh my gosh, I hated that movie. But. I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, to, to each their own. But, but in so many, I mean, and you see this actually in like Korean dramas too, which mm. I totally watch those too. But you see in anime, there's this value of living in in unresolution. That's not even a word, but you know what I mean. Like it, it, there's this lack of resolution. So many times you get to the end of a, a, an arc or a or a, a, a season, serious. even a series, and something's not resolved. But there's no discomfort in that. And it took me a while as a Western-born viewer to become comfortable with that, mm. where I now value the the holistic picture of what's happening and, and also sitting there going but but we don't get conclusions in in reality we we don't get to, i mean we'll get the end of a season and there's some things that we learn but but even at the end of your life there are things that are not going to be resolved or, or figured out and they that's something that we shy away from focusing on because we don't like it in western culture but in japan it gives significance to life and it gives significance to a season that there's something so far beyond us and bigger than us. I mean, whereas the, the desire of, of the heart of man is, is for God and is for eternity. And they, but the way they show that in their, their media is through, it's so big that we can't even see a resolution to it. Mm. But we're going to sit in that and be comfortable with it. And, and there's so many... Move, anime movies and and, um, and you know especially Korean dramas they've gotten a little bit more Western over the the last like decade or so but where there's not even a fully happy ending where it ends with there's either no resolution or it was showing a beautiful season I mean in, in any American movie the guy and the girl end up together mm-hmm. or you got a mad audience in anime it can show them they were together in high school and then they're never going to be together again. And it's a snapshot of a part of your life that you have nostalgia for. I mean, nostalgia is a huge theme in anime. But it's this desire for perfection within the acknowledgement that it can never be reached. And we in the Western culture don't like to acknowledge that part. We just like to show perfection reached and say that's the ideal we want to get to. But they say this is what it could have been. This is what it looked like at this season. And it's relatable in ways that are actually far more significant. And I don't like it sometimes because it reminds me of things in my life that it's like, well, I wanted that to be resolved. <laughs> but, but it really is a celebration of every aspect of life. Mm. Dang. Anything else before I go? Yeah, well, I think, too, it, when you're coming and approaching stuff from that mindset, mm. you're okay with questions. Yeah. And you're okay with not having the answer to questions. But from a strictly Western look at stuff, you always want, no, I have to have a textbook answer Mm. for whatever question comes up. That's one of the reasons why people hate talking about their faith is because what if they ask a question that I don't know? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Which on the other end of the spectrum, actually makes it exceedingly difficult to share the gospel in Japan because they don't need to ask the questions. <laughs> 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 no, that, that's a generalization, and, and there are definitely ways of sharing your faith that are culturally prevalent. Uh, but, okay. but I think that I agree. Like It is such, we hit this wall as, as Westerners and Americans that you know we're hesitant to share our faith, and I, it's so interesting to me that the people, the wise people of faith that are in my life that I've asked these questions of, they really are comfortable with sitting with not answering the question. Mm. And they create an environment. They demand that the rules change when they're sharing the gospel. They say, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that rule. They don't even necessarily verbalize it. They just go, yeah, I don't know, but I know this is true. Prove Mm. it. I can't prove it, but I know it's true. And what's amazing is that the anime fandom culture 
is actually pretty comfortable with that. And it really, when it comes to sharing Jesus with this community, it's so much more about the heart than it is about the mind. It, they, they need to hear Jesus loves you, mm. not let's spell out the gospel for you. You, they'll get there. You do need to have that conversation at some point. But most people in America have at least heard the basic tenets of it. Now, not always, and you, you can't assume, but that first interaction and that relationship builder, it, it's so much about this is how God sees you and this is who God is. Not necessarily, here's the ABCs of the gospel. Yeah, Romans right. Right. Yeah. Almost every single evangelism place I've been put in where I am standing across from somebody who I need to tell the gospel to the question has always been do you accept me just in Mm. the sense right now here will you be my friend and how (laughs) we've almost forgotten in this whole quest for answers which I I agree and everything you're saying here almost makes me want to walk away from this and go Forget it. I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't know. The, is the rapture going to happen? I don't know if the rapture exists. I, it, Pre-trip, it, mid-trip, yeah, post-trip. Mid-trip. It is it, um, amillennial. But I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, I've heard all of them. I've heard all the arguments for every single one. Yeah. And I nobody cares is what yeah. I've found. Yeah. Zero people care. Uh, but th- what they do care about is you being a friend in that moment. Enough yeah. to show love to for them and accept them the way that they are right here, yeah. right now. Yeah. You you and them, that's it. Um, back to the idea of paradox, because you mm. talked about that, sure. and being okay with paradox. Mm. I, I go and I look at, the, back to theology, here we go, <laughs> rise back up. Uh, I, I look at how Jesus' ministry was, where if you go read fantasy or you go like want to go read a story about uh something where there's a king or whatever he's gonna ride in on a white horse he's gonna go take out all of his enemies he's gonna come in and then everything's gonna be all right and then what did jesus do he rode in on a donkey he 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 may have ridden on a donkey instead of a white horse but it's still it's an absurd look at what we thought would be a king because even his followers are going mm. we'll take out rome yes and the hosanna that was a that was a political term mm. everybody there thought this was our guy and he's not on a white horse and instead of a king in that moment he dies the death of a criminal mm. um and he all of everything almost everything he did is that paradox mm. is the absurd is mm. the oh my gosh what we we don't even know. <laughs> like we just need. All we know is this man right here seemed to accept us where we are. He had a. Yeah. Uh, there were political factions in ancient Israel at that point, and think Democrat and Republican or Israeli and Palestinian. Like it was mm. on another level. We don't even mm. know. But uh, we see in his list of disciples, Simon the Zealot. That was a faction. Mm. Uh, Matthew or Levi. Who is Matthew? It was a tax collector. That's on another end of the spectrum of a zealot. They probably had some interesting dinner conversations, <laughs> but it was at Jesus's table mm. they got together. Uh, mm. Paul, Pharisee of Pharisees, and I bet if we really studied, I bet there was a Sadducee there. There were mm. four main groups. I know mm. you guys know, but for people who haven't heard any of that, uh, so here is a, a totally absurd man, okay with the absurd and okay with paradoxes. And just going, come to the table mm. and join me and take this cup and take this bread and let's get together. Sound familiar, anime fans? <laughs> I was just about <laughs> yeah. to say, it's stunning to me that we've not found a way to really get in there with the story. Because everything you just described, I mean, I'm thinking Log Horizon, mm-hmm. I'm thinking SOA, I'm, th- mm-hmm. I'm thinking all of these, it, it's just such a, an anime story yeah. to have all these random, especially the counter people the people who hate each other fight a great battle and become friends at the end like yeah. i mean yeah or naruto bleach the yeah. orphan that everyone hates is the one that's going to save every single one of you oh yeah well I, naruto you could just tear to pieces about yeah. how much the gospel's in there but <laughs> i i just think it would be fascinating to me to see if we were able to get away from 
the the mathematical side of the gospel and get into the heart of and this is this is dangerous road this is dangerous this ground the humanity of christ and the relatability and to go we're not gonna we're not going to in any way shape or form deny that he was 100 percent god and 100 percent human but to let go of needing to control the narrative of I demand you acknowledge this is God in this moment when you're hearing the story and to go into the depths of his humanity and to go into the, de- the depths of the relatability between him and, and our stories and him and these anime stories and to live with the danger of you might come to the conclusion that he's just a man. Hmm. Because the reality is if you fall in love with Jesus the man, you're falling in love with Jesus the God. Ooh. And it's and as long as we're never in any way, shape, or form denying that, and in, as long as we're making it clear from the front, and yes, this this is what we believe, but let's focus on this right now. It feels, I mean, even as as someone in this community, I feel uncomfortable saying that. Like I, it's it's an uncomfortable really. thing. <laughs> but I I really it makes me wonder how incredibly effective that approach could be, of diving into the detailed story of who these people were and who Jesus the man was, not just Jesus God. Because I think focusing on Jesus God so distances these people who are are in this world from the truth of the gospel. Mm. Because they see it as over here in a church building that they can't reach, that they're not welcome in. Mm. And when we focus on, but he came down, and I've said this so many times, if Jesus were here today, these are the people he would hang out with. He, he would be at these anime conventions. He would be at Comic-Con. He would be in the dredges of the people who are, and the reality is these are people who are acknowledging their need. I mean, it, you look at a lot of people in Orange County and, and they're just really satisfied in their day-to-day life. And it's like, that's great, but that's not fertile ground right now. Hmm. I, I mean, I'm not saying, of course, that you shouldn't go after those people. I am saying when you look at the parables and you look at the analogies of the different soils, this is tender soil. Hmm. These are people who are, are deeply emotional, who have all of this raw on the surface, and who honestly, you know, you, while you don't want to get into an argument, they want to have these conversations. They just want to know that you care first. Absolutely. Want to talk, go <laughs> off the rails for a second? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say this, and they're going to quote me for years to come, and I'm never going to be able to be a political candidate. All right, I am ready. <laughs> I'm ready for this. But no, no, no. I, um, maybe, just maybe, we've evangelized to all the people who get the systematic explanation of Jesus as God. Yeah. Maybe we hit that. Yeah. But here's all the people who are going to relate to and hear and be receptive to Jesus the man. Mm-hmm. Of that, of course. Of the, yeah, again, here, here comes the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the guilt coming up here. <laughs> but the, not, the anxiety yeah, rising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His office is right up there. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but what if the time has come to mm. that gigantic focus that we we hit it all? We hit it. It's been mined. It, that 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 great analogy of the fertile soil has moved now, yeah. and maybe we need to focus on something else because it is still an attribute of Jesus Christ that he was a man. Yeah. We just need to focus on it now because yeah. th- this got the spotlight. Let's yeah. just move it one inch down. That's yeah. all. I think it's Am true I a heretic? No. I, th- <laughs> I, think I mean, we're right on the line. Yeah. But. <laughs> the time of like looking at everything as a systematic like reason, mm. we need to go back to what's the narrative? What's the story yeah. telling us? And how do we relate that story to yeah. our life? Yeah. And it's not always going to be a black and white, do these five things and everything's right. okay. Well, and it, I think... I think you really hit it there, that it, it really comes back to the story. And I, I really, I think this is the new majority like we talked about. And that that when you're looking at approaching it, I think we grew up in a church culture that is so focused on that black and white Western mentality that it's very hard even for us to get our heads out of that. And for us to go, it is genuinely, it isn't, heretical, mm-hmm. it isn't, you know, unorthodox to 
recognize that God has never called us to argue his theology. He's called us to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to love people. And sometimes loving people means explaining verbally things. Bring it. But the reality is, and, and we talked about this in class four when I love this analogy, you know, you talk about Acts 1-8 and it says, you will be my, and then you will be my witnesses. If you look at a judicial court system, what does a witness do? They tell a story. They tell a story. They, ah! they say, and it's not just any story. It's just their story. Mm-hmm. It's, this is what I've seen and heard. They're not, we're not called to be the judge to make the assessment. Mm-hmm. We're not even the jury. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, the, the jury would potentially even be the person we're talking to. But, and this is where I just really feel like it, it's, we get lost so much. We're definitely 100% not called to be God's lawyer. He's never given us that right. Now, he has said, be ready to give an explanation. Know what you believe, but do it with tenderness and gentleness and respect. Every time he says, yes, he's not saying, go through your entire life and don't understand what you believe. To to put your fingers in your ears and blindly go, I can't figure it out, so I'm just not going to think about it. He is calling us, however, to recognize that it is not our job to take every piece of knowledge we have in our head and force it into someone else's brain when they become a believer, is to recognize that their relationship with Jesus is their relationship with Jesus. And we're called to contribute to that journey, but we're not called to handhold someone the entire way and to say, okay, well, this is my relationship with you and God. It's their relationship with God, and you have your relationship with God. And and I, I think this feels so on the edge of heretic to, to me as well in the sense of going, you know, it does say go and make disciples. It does say we're responsible. And it does, I mean, it does straight up tell us that, you know, if we don't say what, if we don't share the gospel, we're responsible for that outcome. Right. It does say that. But in the same vein, and this, I mean, God just loves paradox. I think he just loves to mess with our heads. But on the, in the same vein going, the results are not up to us. People's choices are not up to us. And everything we're called to do in general is to respect and love. And sometimes love means keeping your mouth shut. Mm. Sometimes it means doing the thing that feels most uncomfortable and saying what you believe. But it's about r- shifting your perspective to go, my job is to walk in obedience to God. And if God says keep my mouth shut, I keep my mouth shut. If God says speak, I speak. And it doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter if it matches up with conventional wisdom. And I think we get so focused in evangelism on the output that we lose sight of evangelism as first and foremost input that Mm. flows through us. Dang. It's flipped. Either they all, oh, you need to invite people to give their life to Christ. Think about what we're saying, though. It's now not that. It's no, 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 no. You need to be invited to share your faith. Yes. That's the goal of yes. evangelists. Is you need to be as respectful, mm-hmm. as friendly, as uh, loving as you possibly can, and the person who needs to hear the gospel then invites you. That. that. Yeah. And there, t- and I would take it a step further and say. It's not even necessarily about their invitation. It's about God's invitation. Heck but yes. that takes, and it's so funny how it, it's such, evangelism is kind of seen as like the, the pinnacle of, you know, reproduction of Christian faith. But the reality is the most significant aspect is, are you getting that daily time with Jesus? Mm. Because if you can't hear his voice, how do you expect to speak yep. for him? Oh, yeah. If you can't, if you aren't taking the time daily to sit with him and to listen to what he's saying and to to build your faith, to build your trust, to build your ability to use discernment in those situations, how are you going to be effective? Now, on the other side, and I I do feel like it's important to keep this balance, God is gracious. He is gracious to his people. He's going to use every effort people bring to the table whether it's culturally relevant or not. He's going to do something. Whether you suck or you're Exactly. You know, but as we dive into this and as we grow as individuals, of course, let's work towards being the most effective we can. But recognizing that it's ultimately up to God and it's more important to get out there and start doing something than it is to figure it out all first and, you know, whiteboard it to death before you start trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Brett, bring us out. We're hitting the time limit. I think the big thing that I get out of it is, like, anime and the characters in it and the people Mm. that follow it are all about 
really being honest with who they are. Mm-hmm. And as a church, that's what we need to be. We yeah. need to be honest with who we are, where we're at, the fact that some of the stuff doesn't make sense, the fact that we have questions, and stop trying to pretend that we have everything together yeah. and, and be honest with who we are. Yeah. yeah. Focus on what's relatable, mm-hmm. not what makes us stand apart. Yeah. Legit. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope you were blessed by this. We are going to get uh, Lauren's links for Game Church, Jesus Otaku, and for her trip uh, on the website. So if you guys have any questions, we covered a lot of ground. And <laughs> no, I, I have I a feeling we'll need you back after you get back from Japan uh, to, sure. to finish this up. Or we and, Skype you in. Yeah, or, <laughs> hey, or that too. Hey, we can do international guest. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, but uh, we'll, fi- we'll figure that out. If you have any questions, go ahead and email us at fanboytheology at gmail.com. Uh, we hope to see you back soon, and uh, well, God bless you. Put up promise. <laughs>